Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore. Yes, hello everyone. Welcome to all our West Australian football fans for another fascinating edition of Around the Waffle here on the Backchat Studios, whether you're listening on where you get your podcast or watching us on the Backchat YouTube channel. Paul Persick is my name. It's a great pleasure to have your company. And alongside me is Taylor Cowper. Taylor, how are you? Good. Uh, interesting weekend of footy, Paul, it in the WAFL. Obviously, we'll, we'll get through it all very, very shortly, but uh, I'm a bit upset, obviously, with West Perth, your mob not, not winning up there at Pennanet Stadium, but... Mate, I look like a tipping genius to Swan Districts on Saturday. That oh, was a, yeah. Pretty happy about that one. Yeah, I know. You should be very happy about that one. I'd look like a ham. But we did get the same amount. We, we did. did. get three, so it's all square. So yes. we have nothing to complain about. Exactly right. First month of the season, when you think about it, it's unbelievably how quick the season's gone, but also how open the competition is already with five teams on 12 points at the end of round four. Yeah, it's great. And and there's a lot of teams that still haven't hit their straps yet um, in terms of playing really consistent four quarters of footy. So yeah, lots of footy to talk about today, Paul. And uh, yeah, you're exactly right. It is a very exciting season. Now you can catch us on our socials as well. We have got Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages running. Give us a big thumbs up. We really appreciate it. This is Taylor Cowper and Paul Persick around the waffle reviewing round four. Let's get straight into the action, TC. The first game at the WACA ground. And East Fremantle against Perth may have been 105 to 77. Mm. But uh, the Sharks shouldn't be convinced about that. They didn't really hit their straps until the third quarter because the game was pretty much in the balance at halftime. Well, the first quarter, they, they played really good footy. The second quarter, the, I think it was one point at halftime in this game at the Wacker. Yeah, the Sharks, and I know Bill Monaghan spoke about it against the Eagles the last couple of weeks uh, when they played at Laft Lane. The third quarter from the Sharks in that game was really poor. And I know that they wanted to play four consistent games of footy. That doesn't mean you've got to win every quarter of footy that you play, but you've just got to keep the pressure and intensity there. And they did not do that in this game, Paul, against Perth. That second quarter was really poor by East Frio. Uh, credit to Perth. They they had some great... They worked really, really well. When East Fremantle were going down the middle of the ground, there were some times where Perth just saw that and knew that they needed to get the ball on the outer as much as they possibly could. And when they did that, their their ability to get ball from defence through their forward 50 was um, tremendous by Perth. Yeah, Perth played much better than what they have yeah. been over the last three weeks. Like you said, they were just able to read the play so well whenever East Fremantle were going towards their forward 50. Players like Charlie Thompson, who had another good game, so too did Trent Manzoni, the former West Perth Premiership player, and Dakota Baldwin-Wright, who uh, had a good stint in the ruck with 33 hitouts uh, up against Ruben Maguire, who only had 20. But on the other side of the coin, East Fremantle's midfielders again stood up to the task. Milan Murdoch, 32. Tom Joyce also with 32. Yep. It was all class in the second half. I mean, 10 goals to 6 in that second half, ultimately proving the decisive factor for East Fremantle. We're actually going to have a chat with Milan on Thursday. Yeah, Milan so Murdoch. I've been speaking to him, so we're going to have a chat with him on the preview episode of this uh, and releasing that separately as well. So if you're an East Frio fan, have a listen to that. But he's someone that we're going to be talking about all season. He was oh, yeah. outstanding in the middle this week. And I noticed yesterday as well that they had their uh, state training last night that's as right. well, Monday night. So yeah, that, that's a name we're going to be talking about for or throughout this season. 32 disposals for Milan. Fantastic. Get him in the on-ball rotation for that yeah. state game on May 19th. If you don't have him in your midfield, then there's something wrong with the selection. Uh, up forward, John O'Marsh. 
He's back in form, I'll say. You know, he kicked one of the goals of the year early in that game. Three goals for him on the day. He is back. He is. And there was a fantastic goal that he got. He, he stepped around a couple of people in yeah. that forward 50 at the, the whack of the, the Optus Stadium end. And yeah, no, he is back and he is firing on all cylinders. And I told you, uh, if he just gets a little bit of time under his belt, he's going to kick a bag and it's good to see him do it. Now, Perth as well, they may have lost. It was only by about four goals. But are you starting to sense that Perth are starting to improve? Are they starting to get better as a side as the season goes on? Yeah, like I said, there was glimpses in this game against the Sharks on Saturday where under pressure they performed really well. They knew just how to get the ball out of out of the situations that they were in where they, they weren't in control. Um, they weren't overusing the handball and they were trying to get it to the free man that they did have in their in their back defensive 50. Not all the time, but that's what they did try to do. So, yeah, great signs from Perth. Um, the pressure, obviously, in the midfield, they they completely lost that game uh, in, in this game on Saturday. But there were glimpses of, of good stuff there from Perth. And despite the loss, Peter German, you know, should be satisfied with the effort that they put in for yeah. four quarters, only to be overrun in the second half. Now, East Perth, they came into the game against Pure Thunder 3-0. One last thing I want to yeah. say about uh, East Frio is, is I was at the game and I did watch a little bit because obviously it was all stuffed around because of Channel 7 and the league game was at 11.40 and all this kind of stuff. Now, I just noticed that uh, and it was played in its entirety. Um, during the, the reserves game that Perth actually won, they played the extra amount of song at the end of the game. <laughs> so what I want to say to the bloke, the poor ground announcer at the Wacker, who I've done it. Have you ever done any of that kind of stuff? I've done ground announcing. I yeah. did the Sheffield Shield so last summer. Exactly, and you did a great job of that. It's usually the, the young guy that wants to be a journalist or a commentator or whatever, giving it a go. Now, one word of advice. I don't know who it is, Paul, and I don't want to throw him under the bus, but one word of advice that you've got to do whenever you're ground announcing is you get... Get your two files up of the two teams and always at the end of the game shut the one that that loses. Yes. You don't want to get any confusion at all. Just always X that one so you're not going to get confused at all. Just uh, a word of advice for the Sharks man there. You've got a feel for the guy that uh, played the wrong song. But uh, let's move on. Uh, East Perth and Peel Thunder. East Perth came into this game 3-0. and But Peel Thunder, they came to lead of a global and got the points. The margin, yeah. 33 points at the end. East Perth, very shoddy in front of goal. Six goals, 17. Not yeah. very flattering. I did see the, uh, parts of this game. Obviously, it finished up. It was all, well, the East Ferry game was all well and done before. Uh, I before this one even started, but yeah, we, this is one that um, yeah we obviously tipped East Perth in this one. I, yes. Did you tip East? Perth? I did tip East Perth. Yeah, so we both lost that one. We we always talk about how hard Peel can be to tip because you never know who's coming in. But but the great thing for for Peel and the great thing for the Dockers as well is there's a lot of players in this side who are really, really pushing for, um, well, will we be getting looked at by the Freo Dockers because they're performing extremely well. Yeah, one of those players, I'd have to say, would be Tom Emmett. I mean, yeah. 17 touches and three goals too. He also took three very good marks. He'd be one to look out for if I was a Dockers selector. Also, Ben Hancock, he was fantastic. 22 disposals, Brady Gray, 19, and a goal up forward. But I have to say, on the other side of the coin, East Perth, I was very disappointed with their performance, not only with their inaccuracy in front of goal, but they just weren't getting first of the ball. They weren't showing the desperation that we have seen from them in the first three rounds. That's netted them their first three wins on the board. Wilcox was down, Schumacher was down, Crowden was down, and Tom North were down as well. They couldn't get their mids firing. Yeah, and they only had four individual goal scorers in this game. So really struggled in this one. They were obviously wanting to uh, get back up and going for this weekend um, in round six, I believe. Round five. Round five. Uh, in this weekend of the waffle, but yeah, disappointing from East Perth, but it's not panic stations just yet. They're still at the 
top end of the ladder. And um, if you're an East Perth fan, it's not. I wouldn't get nervous just yet. Yeah, they played some good football. There's no doubt about that. But the only problems were the midfielders were down on form and they were inaccurate in front of goal. I mean, look at the scoring shots, 23-21. to 21. In favour of East Perth, yeah. and they lost the game. It says a lot, doesn't it? It does. Mm. It tells a story that why Peel Thunder, even though they had less scoring shots, they were able to control the game on their terms and make East Perth play for, uh, pay for a lot of their mistakes in front of goal. Now, this one was expected to be the match of the round, but it was mm. Subiaco that delivered. 9-12-66, defeating West Perth by 21 points, 6-9-45. Subi, after uh, a bit of a wobble at the start of the season, they are back and firing. They are ready to contend for the Premiership again. Yeah, and I did say in our preview... Uh, show on Thursday that the only reason I tipped West Perth in this because it was at Pentanet Stadium. We're expecting them to go up and win this game. Subiaco, they were just they were just too good in yeah, this one. Played good. extremely good footy. West Perth disappointing to get a loss at home because they, they do play extremely good footy there and they probably would pencil a lot of their home games as wins throughout the season. But yeah, no, great work by Subiaco and looking forward to seeing them play throughout the season because I think they're a great side. There's only one name that really was the first that came to mind out of that game. Zach Clark. He dominated. Yeah, we've been talking about Zach Clark for a while, haven't we? How many disposers did he get in this one? Well, he had 23, but 41 hit-outs. That really told the story. So he is averaging over 40 hit-outs per Absolutely. game. Absolutely. And, and it's what we spoke about last week, Paul. Getting first use of the footy, especially against a really experienced midfield like West Perth, when you've got some really great players in there. That's that's what you've got to do. These waffle teams, when you're coming up against Subiaco, are going to have to work out a way to combat and be really defensive in the midfield. But there was one big hole that West Perth had in their midfield. Aaron Black didn't play. He'd battled hamstring soreness in the Mm. days prior to the game and did not take uh, the field for the game. So West Perth really missed that experience of Aaron Black, but they also missed the firepower up forward. Tyler Keitel was again down, only had a goal. Hinder and Rotham were among the goal kickers as well. Keegan not also didn't play, so they've got key players missing in midfield and up forward that uh, is posing some early problems for the Falcons. Yeah, with Black in the side, do you think it would have made a massive amount of difference to this one? Yes, absolutely. I mean, especially when Black not only is one of the prime key midfielders for West Perth, but also provides such experience to a West Perth midfielder that blends with youth and experience. So with his versatility, yeah. his aggression at the ball, that's what West Perth is were that, lacking. Is that something that you knew before the round, that he wasn't going to play? Is that why you took Subiaco? I had a feeling <laughs> that if Black wasn't going to play that Subiaco would just capitalise on that and yeah. expose West Perth's weaknesses in the midfield. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, but no, the waffle, waffle sides that take on Subiaco, they're going to have to work out a way to combat Zach Clark. No, they absolutely yeah. have to. Now, South Fremantle and Swan Districts, I was at this game calling uh, for the AFL app, and what a beauty this one was. At quarter time, a lot of people at the ground were thinking, OK, Swans have got this one in the bag. Wrong. Second quarter, completely turned the tables, did South Fremantle. But to Swan District's class under pressure, they got home by 18 points. Their first win at Fremantle Oval in nine years. Well, I'm pretty happy about this. <laughs> Not, oh. uh, I like South Fremantle, but I was just happy because I tipped them. You thought that I was crazy tipping them. A lot of people... I've got a lot of texts about this one, actually, Paul, saying, <laughs> why on earth did you tip Swan District's against a really good informed South Fremantle at Fremantle Oval? But you were on the money. Well, I just thought losing two games at home... Um, against two teams that they probably should have beaten at home. And another one by a, by a point. Exactly right. I just thought that they'd be coming out firing, and, and, and I was right. What was the intensity like in the first quarter when you were there? Well, Swans provided all of that. Yeah. I mean, South Fremantle just lacked the discipline in midfield, and their defenders were often outclassed in those contests. And you had the likes of Jesse Palmer, who was sensational up forward, four goals. Jesse Turner played a little bit in defence yep. as well as midfield and provided such creative flair. Jarvis Pina, who we're going to talk about a little later on, he 
was great in defender midfield roles. The intensity that the Swans produced was just outstanding. And yet there were times when they just panicked a little bit, overused the football, but the way they kept control of the game in the last five minutes in particular Mm. really showed that with the side that they've got under Andrew Prune, can be a strong side that can contend for the five. Well, and South Fremantle this weekend they um, they take on Subiaco, Subiaco in at Subiaco, so that's going to be a tough game for them as well. Um, and that game's on seven two, which that's will right. be great. But yeah, no, it's a it's it is going to be hard for them obviously because they do start behind. They're still sitting on zero at the moment. You're expecting them to play finals. I kind of half am. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But, um, yeah, they've got a lot of hard work in front of them, especially when you look at the ladder and that top five is so strong at the moment. It's going to be very hard for them to get through. Yeah, especially with that deficit that they had to make up. Necessity starting, necessarily starting two games behind. Yeah. They needed to win last Saturday, having started their season from zero, and now they're stuck on zero. This loss does not help their cause, especially now that they have lost at Fremantle Oval, I believe three times in three years now, Mm. because South Fremantle have made it a fortress more often than not during that time period. And even with players like Dragovic, Bletchenden and Archie getting amongst the possessions, they saw a lot of the footy. They just lack that intensity, that discipline when they're going forward against a very good Swans defensive unit that just clicked. So they've got, let's just look at their next month of footy. So they've got Subiaco next weekend. Yep. The weekend after that, they've got uh, East Perth. And then the weekend after that, so East Perth is a winnable game for them. East Perth are in form though. It is winnable, but it's not a given to them straight away. And then they've got Perth. So only one really guaranteed win in there in the next month of footy. They are in a bit of a tough spot at the moment. They would have they would have been absolutely annoyed Above all, not that just they lost Sub- this Saturday. Not just Subiaco, East Perth, Perth, but they've got the WA Derby on the Monday at the Wacker. I reckon only one of them is going to be a winnable one for South Fremantle, and it's not going to be the Derby. Yeah, well, they didn't want to raise the Derby one just yet. We're still a month. <laughs> no, 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 they won't beat East Fremantle on the WA Day Monday. Take it to the bank. They won't do it. Right. But their streak will be dead. I'm a bit nervous you're saying that as an East Freo man because what it, what's it been, 16 derbies that they haven't won or something? 15, Fif- I think. Someone yeah, will so double-check that for us. May- maybe, I'm, uh, <laughs> maybe I'm overdoing myself there. But, yeah, no, I'm a bit nervous about that. Well, it should be a great game, though. Especially if they've lost three leading into it. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> now, uh, Clermont and the West Coast Eagles on yep. Sunday to complete the round. 111 points and... I think the only thing that stood out for me was the Will Schofield encore. Oh, the mechanic, Will Schofield. Yeah. Um, what do you only have seven disposals to say in this game? How'd you pull up, Will? Eleven, actually. Fucking eleven. Eleven disposals for Will. Eleven disposals. Um, hey. Oh, I haven't played. Uh, I haven't played. <laughs> I haven't played in like twenty years, and I'm a hack on the field anyway. <laughs> I haven't played AFL twenty three yet, but no, um, no. I did say it. I think that was the only thing. And I think if you listen to any of the mainstream sporting shows that are on radio or TV or anything at the moment, that's what they're talking about. It's the Eagles. But not only from a waffle point of view, but from an AFL point of view as well. Um, yeah, not much. We probably... Can you tuck Will on a microphone? we talk to him for a second? We've got an Eagles player. We may as well talk to him. Let's get Scoey on and uh, provide his perspective on, uh, on the day. He's on call, the Will Schofield comeback tour. Which may be pretty short, pretty much shorter than anything else. Oh, nice. The mechanic. We've got to call him the you mechanic. You got me over here, boys? You can hear me? <laughs> yes, we can hear you nice what, and clear. What do you going? got for me, fellas? Well, just what, what, what was your perspective of the game? Um, oh, the, oh, less about the game, to be really honest. I mean, I, overall, that West Coast side is a bunch of amateurs, uh, waffle resis yeah. guys, country players. Um, you know, with, you know, you know, Kay Mitchell comes back and plays, I'm playing. 
Um, I think the overall system is set up incorrectly, and I don't have the the you know solving solution. I don't I don't have that final final ending that you know makes it work properly. But I do think there's going to be twofold. I think they need to pull some restrictions away from the recruitment process by the West Coast Waffle side and allow them to be competitive. Sure. Yep. There's some real fear that they're going to be a, too good of a side if they're allowed to recruit who they want, but. I kind of think, well, if you're going to have the waffle side, you want them to be competitive. And if they win it, they win it. Like, either do that or don't have it at all. But then, on the other hand, West Coast needs to really invest. And and like, I don't know what the requirements are around, you know, their own soft cap and salary cap and being able to support this football club. But currently, with no Colts and no reserves, it's a standalone side. Yeah. Um, you know they've got to really put the resources behind it for it to really work. I think there's it's got to be both both sides. It's not just you know poor West Coast. And yeah. It's not the poor waffle. It's got to be both sides coming. The together. way I look at it as well is and and Paul and I've spoken about it a lot is the reason why I think Peel works really well is because there is that partnership that's there and Peel are an actual football club. Yeah, they have they have Colts, they have reserves. Yeah. They have a, a zone that they recruit yeah. from the you know southern you know Great Southern basically. Yeah. So, look, I, I don't know how you zone the West Coast side, and if you do that, but like they don't have you know they don't even have a a, a bath to exactly. come back after. Yeah, yeah. It, it's pretty much it's it's not a football it's not a football club. But even that, you don't even have like a. Did you say bath or bar? Bar. bar. Oh, that's what they, I they have facilities. Right? I was going to I was yeah. going to try and be smart and say yeah, they don't have a bar either. Yeah, <laughs> Correct. Well, they don't they don't have a, they don't have a you know as stupid as that sounds like going back to the away rooms or the home rooms wherever and it having is some and having a it function. Is. There's yeah. no function. There's, yeah, there's, you're right. It's you know to be truly frank, it's quite soulless. Um, and and it's and it's. Oh, it's it's all it's no one's fault and it's everyone's fault at the same yeah. time. It's no it's no fault of West Coast and no. it's like that because no. they're dealing with the restrictions and it's you know not particularly the fault of the waffle because I do understand what they're probably saying as well. But for it to really work, they need to take it seriously. It's like putting a you know a Gold Coast GWS in and not allowing them to have some you know ben- benefits around. Like if you want it to work, you need to make it work. And, and I don't think either West Coast or the commission or the waffle, I don't think either of them are fully committed to making this work, and that's why it's so, not working. Well, one one key point I think you, you've summed up there is that West Coast, compared to Peel Thunder, are not like a football club. They're not uh, true to their identity in a way, so to speak, You know, well, with yeah. that soulless atmosphere that well, you talked about. There's no identity. So, yeah. um, you know, I've, I've played across all. I've done the, you know, interstate draftee to Peel, and I loved that, and I became a part of a football club. We didn't win many games mm. at Peel in my first few years, but it was at least a football club that had a fine session that had... You yeah, know, yeah. five buck pints after training. If you want to go and have your know, chicken parmy, it was yeah, yeah. all of that. Like that doesn't exist at West Coast, so there's not really an identity. And so, so, the yeah. last thing I want to say on it is, um, I you talk about the Footy Commission and the Eagles trying to work out how to get it right. Do you reckon that the Eagles? And I've always thought this with the marketing power of the Eagles. I reckon. So I remember last year when East Frio were playing um, West Coast Eagles at Frio Oval, East Frio mm. Shark Park. I took my nephew down there who's five. Yeah. He wore his Eagles shirt. He thought that the Eagles reserve size was the West Coast Eagles. Yes. Do you think they can market it better? Because I reckon if you did, you could get so many families along to one of these Eagles reserve games, try and build a bit of atmosphere like that. But yeah. it is pretty poor. Like The crowds that they get there, when you think of the Eagles and the brand that they have, I reckon they can get so many more people there. Yeah, I don't, I don't think... 
um, you know, that's probably, you know, when I say it's on both sides, so there's elements from the commission and the waffle, but the elements from, from West Coast is that, yeah, they could, they could market it better, they could cover it better. You know, realistically, it's a real opportunity for West Coast to use that to, you know, grow aspiring yeah. you know, media and journos within the footy club, coaches, you know, mm. young people that want to be involved in footy. It gives them an element of that. But, you know, then it goes back on the commission, the waffle, being able to spend the money to do that, yeah. not just having staff at West Coast doubling up with what they're doing and it becomes an afterthought. It sure. needs to be a, yeah. a real proper standalone, which it's not right now. Well, now, there you go. Will, now, will yeah. the mechanics go, Phil? Will the mechanics go, Phil? Just before we let you go, Scoey, uh, will, will there be a third encore for you on the field? <laughs> no. Will there be a third encore or is that it? Is no. that the curtain call? I delisted myself one minute after the game against Claremont. <laughs> can barely walk and... Um, yeah, I can still tie, change a tire quicker than both of you boys. <laughs> right, well, Thanks, that might Will. be a bit of content, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Who can change a tire better? I think even a Skeet on the Shelter Footycast mentioned about changing tyres. There should be a battle between SCOE, UTC and Skeet to see who can change a tire the fastest. <laughs> I can tell you what, I reckon Skeet will be the, the, the slowest there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly. Thanks, Will. Let's move on. Uh, this is uh, Round 4 Review on Around the Waffle. Taylor Cowper alongside Paul Persick. All right, TC. Exciting time. One of the most exciting times in yep. around the waffles here. Player of the year voting time, and we'll get things started. One vote. Bailey Rogers of Claremont. I mean, his impact yeah. around the ground just outstanding. So ten inside fifties. Ten inside fifties. Yeah. That's unbelievable. And four goals to boot. So yeah. we shifted up forward a little bit. Carl Warner for Peel Thunder. He gets two votes. Yep. Thirty-three disposals. He even had eleven marks on the day in that win over East Perth. Three votes, Milan Murdoch just yep. continues his fine form this season. Another 32 disposals. We'll be speaking to him on Thursday, so make sure you check it out. Yep. Very hard to split between four and five this week, but my four votes goes to Zach Clark. What yeah. a performance. Just dominates in the run. 41 hit-outs, 23 disposals, six marks, and five inside 50s. It's a... Pretty well-rounded performance by Zach. He's very mm. stiff not to get the five votes, I will say. It's very hard to split him and the person who is the uh, uh, around-the-waffle top gun of round four, Jarvis Pina of Swan District. Yeah, played a great game of footy. 19 to Smosos, four marks and a tackle to go along with that as well. Played a fantastic game for the Swans win over uh, Fremantle, of course. It was not just that. It's not just the numbers that really tell why he got the five votes, but how he's able to create those uh, create those opportunities to go after the football, yeah. get first to it, and set up uh, Swan District's transition from defensive 50 into attack. And the way he delivered the football uh, during, especially when the Swans were in control of that game in the first quarter and in the third, when they started started to extend that stretch once again was just sensational. Class defender midfielder, he got the job done for the Swans and uh, he's the top gun of round four. So we go through what it looks like now on one point... uh Sharing it at the moment, Aiden Clark from the Swannies and Chad Pearson from the Dogs. Two, Cody Leggett from the Sharks. Jimmy Miller from South Fremantle. They both sit on two. Do you want to take it over here, three? Carl Warner and uh, Tyler Keitel and Jai Bolton have three votes each yep. on four. Zach Clark, Will Brody, Jack Buller and Colton Tholstrup. On five is Milan Murdoch, Ben Sokol, Shane Nelson and Jarvis Pina. And still our outright leader after four rounds is Tom North of Eastbourne. Tommy Perth. North, yeah. No, great season for him. Hopefully uh, they, they can pull it back because like I say all the time, If you want to get the votes in this, you've got to be winning footy. You've got to be winning footy and you've got to be getting the job done, not just for yourself, but also for your team as well. Exactly. Yep. Now, first month into the season, as we uh, take a look at the ladder just quickly, five teams on 12 points. We mentioned at the top of the program about how open the competition has been so far. 
Where do you see the competition going from here this season? The way I see it, I reckon it's going to go right down to the wire, the race for the five, just like last year. It will be five, six teams battling for those final spots, and especially top three. Whether you won two or three in the finals, you've got a chance for the premiership. Well, I just want to talk really quickly about this because uh, the first five at the moment, as the ladder sits after this round, it's Claremont, the Sharks, Peel, East Perth, and Subi. Yep. Now, you also think West Perth could be in there too. Mm. And if my name's Paul Persick, uh, you're probably chucking South Fremantle there too because that's what you think. <laughs> and also Swan Districts could be there too. Could. So the way that this plays out, you probably think maybe the Swans are going to be a bit stiff, especially considering they lost that two at home. It's going to be hard for them to pull them back as the season goes on. Uh, but I reckon your top five as it sits now looks pretty good. But you've also got to work out if West Perth are going to be in there, which I think they probably they should. Going to be they in should. There. I mean, two and two, you know, only early stage stages yeah. in the season, not pressing the panic button. So, the way I think, then maybe Peel Thunder or East Perth probably fall out of the five, and Swans and West Perth might. Oh, sorry, West Perth and South Fremantle might push in. But then I just think that two uh, two game in, uh, that that South Fremantle are back at the moment is just going to be too hard for them to pull back um, towards the end of this season as well. Especially when you look at what Subiaco are still what three games ahead of them. So it's going to be tough for them. Yeah, absolutely. And another side that we have to look at in the five that maybe just needs to get a few more big wins under their belts is East Fremantle. I mean, they have beaten sides that they should beat. You know, when you yeah. think about it, with the exception of Peel Thunder in round one, where they lost by four points. They've got another big game coming against West Perth at the Wacker on Saturday. That one is going to be one where they can be a contender, for the especially for the double chance. Yeah, 100%. And then they've got uh, Subiakov as well at the Wacker too. So that will be an interesting game. And then they've also got the, uh, the Derby coming up too. And then I'm just trying to find out who they've got the week before the Derby, Claremont. At um up in Broome, yes, that's going to that be a game beauty. as well. So they've got a tough month of footy ahead of them, especially with West Perth next weekend coming off a loss. That's always tough. Uh, Subiaco is going to be extremely tough as well, and then you have got the Derby chatting in there too. Doesn't matter where those two teams sit on the ladder; it's still going to be a feisty game. So tough month of footy coming up for the Sharks. And on the subject of the Sharks, listeners, tune in on Thursday. We've got yeah, a Milan. cracker of a show. Milan Murdoch, one of East Fremantle's prominent midfielders, he's had a great start of the season so far. He's going to be jumping on the show to have a chat with us. Yes. Looking forward to it, Paul. Can't wait. I'll see you on Thursday. See you then. Listeners, we thank you very much for your company here on Around the Waffle. If uh, you want to listen to us, you can check us out on wherever you get your podcasts or you can watch us on the Backchat YouTube channel. Please like us on our Facebook, Instagram and Twitter pages. Give us a big thumbs up. We really appreciate it. We look forward to your company on Thursday when we preview Round 5 and our special guest, Milan Murphy. We'll see you next time. Around the Waffle is produced by Backchat Studios and lives on the Acast Creator Network. You can find the show's social channels by searching Around the Waffle or the Backchat podcast, Backchat double underscore.